be willing to have the conversation first about the prospect before talking about your product. Because when you do this, this, this is the beauty of selling with, with real-time relevance-based selling. If you talk about the issues first, if you talk about the needs first, the prospect will tell you exactly how you must position your product in order for them to buy it. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Uh, I've got Mace Haroff with me today. We're going to talk about revitalizing sales after COVID, and we're talking about breaking into new and uh, and tackling static accounts. So a lot of questions today, a big, big topic. And Mace is the guy to talk to about this. He's been involved in the world of healthcare sales for over 39 years as a frontline salesperson, sales manager, a workshop facilitator, a keynote speaker, and an author. He's delivered presentations and workshops for healthcare companies of all sizes that sell products and services such as surgical implants, spine trauma, cardiovascular, dental healthcare services, and more. He's the author of Mastering Medical Sales, and the creator of the Medical Sales Academy, an online training and support platform for healthcare sales professionals. Mace, really excited to have you on the show today and try to gain some of your wisdom. Thank you, Steve. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Well, first question, have customer and prospect expectation changed since COVID and how have those expectations changed? <sighs> Oh my gosh, they, they've, um, they've changed dramatically. And, you know, I, I specialize in the healthcare, uh, the healthcare space, but this is relevant to everybody. This is really important. One thing that prospects and customers are looking for from salespeople are relevant solutions. So they don't want to hear about products per se. And salespeople often leave it up to their customers to connect the dots with their products. In other words, they'll assume that if I tell you about my product, you, Mr. Prospect, will figure out how to use it. Well, prospects don't want to go down that road anymore. They want you to be very specific as to how your product or service is going to solve a relevant problem that they have right now. And right now is the key. So the customer and prospect expectations has gone up quite a bit. They want to feel like you're talking to them. They don't want to feel like you're just pitching a product because product pitches right now, after all the stress and the crisis of COVID, not as tolerated as it used to be. And what key things must salespeople pay attention to moving forward from here? What's the most important to you, do you think? The most important thing to pay attention to is to really understand your customer. Now, we've been talking about this in sales for the millennia, right? Or at least for the last hundred years, know your customer. But it used to be enough to know your customer at the macro level. You know, in other words, if you sold to someone who was a tech customer and you made a tech product, that was all you, you needed to know. You just assumed relevancy based on that. The way things have changed, what, what has to be considered now moving forward is you have to know your customer on a micro level. You have to understand them, not just by the vertical that they work in, you have to understand them as an individual. We are all different. And 
we've all been impacted by COVID in similar ways, but also in different ways, you know, based on what our wants, our needs, our desires are. So it's very important that moving forward, that everybody who's in sales really makes the effort to understand their customers at a, at a much more personal level. Now, the reality is um, most sales reps are not going to do this. And if you do this, and your competition doesn't, this actually starts to become a huge competitive advantage for you because selling at an individualized personal level is going to be very key moving forward as we advance from this, this whole pandemic. Yeah, uh, the relationship still matters. Um, being an expert in your customer's business still matters too. But uh, yeah, I think people people always, they, they always underestimate how important that that deep relationship is. I, I know someone who, who just bought a medical laser for two hundred thousand dollars, and they evaluated eight lasers, and you know they they did a whole bunch of tests, and 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 in the end, they they bought the one that that they are the best of friends with, right? Like the the person that they I know they went out to lunch with a bunch of times. They they had, they were having margaritas. You know, it's it's this. Uh, it's it's the relationship and and i don't even know if they recognize like when they were telling me about the story i was kind of recognizing the well i think you know from my perspective it sounds like you chose the one you had the best relationship with but you know even though they told they, they were like oh and i tried them all out i did a really you know serious evaluation about you know on the speeds and feeds of each thing uh, the, all the characteristics and then i went with the one that i was sold by the person i liked and people yeah. i think that's how I, I i think we're hardwired to some degree to do to behave in that way we very much are well let's let's take a second and talk about why that was able to happen why whoever purchased the laser was able to default to the person with the relationship the reason that was able to happen is because prospects today they will do their best to commoditize a product. And by that, they will, any product that comes before them, they will attempt to assume that it is substantially similar to whatever they have or they're using now or whatever they're doing now. You know, for in healthcare, uh, for a laser, you know, a, a doctor or a clinic might look at the laser as well you know that's very similar to the laser we're using now well let's say they're not using a laser let's say they're using something in place of a laser such as a scalpel um, they will attempt to commoditize in other words to say well this laser is pretty cool or this particular laser company has a device which which i like but realistically it's not that much different than the one that the person i like the person i know and like is selling this gets back to the relationship so uh, in healthcare, especially since COVID, uh, anything that can be commoditized will be commoditized. And we're seeing that not only in healthcare, but we're seeing it throughout all industries. Because right now, with the impact of COVID, people are trying not to spend money if they can avoid it. So if they could commoditize a product that's in front of them and say, well, this is nice, but it's not a, a huge advantage over what I have now, then they could hold on to their money. You know, they could put that money back into the budget to do something else. So one of the key things that salespeople have to do moving forward is not give prospects and customers the opportunity to commoditize products like they have in the past. And one thing I, I know you've seen, Steve, is that salespeople, they'll often complain if a customer commoditizes their product. Well, they don't get it. Our product's different. They, they just don't get it. 
anytime someone can commoditize a salesperson's product, guess whose fault it is? It is not the prospect's fault. It is the salesperson's fault because they allowed them to do that. So how do you decommoditize a product? Well, again, you decommoditize a product by using something that I call real RTRBS, real-time relevance-based selling. Real-time is, is really key. Now, let's, let's start at the relevance point, for example. Um, I talked about this a little while ago. You know, in healthcare, if you're selling to a plastic surgeon, for example, who does laser procedures, well, you might say, I sell a laser, he's a plastic surgeon, my product is automatically relevant. And at some level, that is true. But since the pandemic, relevance on its own isn't enough to get people people to take action or to warrant strong consideration. What they're looking for is real-time relevance. In other words, what's happening in that prospect or customer's world right now that you could connect your product or service to in a way to help them with that real-time relevant issue? You see, this is where a lot of salespeople are missing amazing opportunities. Uh, most of the salespeople that I've spoken to since February, March of 2020. Uh, initially, they start talking about how their business is down, how they've been locked out of accounts, how they can't go in and make contact with customers like they did in the past. When the reality is that, yeah, on the surface, it looks that way. But since COVID, your accounts and the stakeholders in your accounts, they've got problems they didn't have previously. And here's something else. They don't always know what they are. So as a salesperson, really, we, everyone likes to talk about, you know, uh, consultative selling. Uh, if you're going to be a consultative salesperson, then what you want to be able to do is to help your customers to see the things that they're not seeing, the pitfalls, the, the, uh, the bumps in the road ahead of them, and the opportunities that they might be missing. That means that you are truly delivering value. But taking it to the next step, when you can connect your product or service to a mandate or a need that they have or, or solving some sort of critical issue, now you are going to have their attention in a, in a very, very key way. So when you do that, it's almost impossible for them to commoditize your product. In other words, to assume that it's the same as someone else's because no other salesperson or I should say almost no other salesperson that's going to be coming into that person's office or practice, whatever the case may be, is talking about their product in those terms. Most salespeople talk about products in generic terms, and that's what leads to commoditization. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a key, a key role for all salespeople is, is to, to figure out how can I differentiate my product? And that's, that's one of your key jobs as a salesperson. And, and you have to ask yourself, what, what is complete? what are the commoditizing forces on my product right now? What, what is commoditizing me? And I think that it's different answers in different industries. Um, you know, I think that the, the way information is so freely available on the internet, but also kind of BS in a lot of cases is, is something that commoditizes it. Like it, and, and I, I've noticed this in my space, like I, you know, it, it, for Badger Maps, I used to have like two competitors, but now I have 10, companies that say they kind of do things similar to us, but I know they don't. I've, I've seen their products, right? Like I know, but like, it's, it, they're like, oh, we have a module that does that. And it's like, do you like, <laughs> I mean, like, mm -hmm. and so I think there's, there's a lot of, they, I think a lot of people 
are creating landing pages and so that you know if you do a google, a google search on it you land in this place and on someone's website and they've, they've created a special page that basically describes why they do exactly what you're looking for when or they're really this that they people are positioning themselves to do lots of things and maybe this laser company says oh yeah we do we do hair removal and we do, um, you know, I, we help eyes and we, we zap off bad things from your skin and we make your, your skin softer and all these, you know, the, there's 20 things that different lasers do. And so, you know, I think one, one challenge if you're a laser salesman is like, you used to have two other lasers that were saying they did the same hair removal thing that you do, but now they're, now a lot of companies are saying, yeah, yeah, we, we totally do that hair removal stuff. And, and we've got a, it says so right here on this page on our website to, to, to prove it. Uh, how would you deal with, with that type of thing as a, and, and well, do you think that's what's the driver of this commoditization of everything that we've described and, and, and it, and what are the other drivers and what would you do about it? I, you know, again, I think the biggest driver of commoditization is that salespeople truly fail to distinguish their product from, from their competitors. Uh, but the, the way to do it, again, is, you know, let's take the product out of the equation just for a second. Because products, you know, if you talk about the product right off the bat, it's very easy for the customer to assume that the product is similar. And, you know, unless there's a major issue with the current product that they have, uh, chances are right now in this time of crisis or emerging from crisis, they're going to try not to spend the money. So even though they might say, yeah, your product is cool, but I'm going to wait a year or two, just, you know, see if we can recapture the, the you know, the profits that we lost during COVID. The, the thing being that as a salesperson, you have to get right to whatever challenge they're having or some some pain point let's let's get down to the sales part you know the there has to be a significant level of pain for them to to consider whatever it is that you are offering now the way most salespeople like to sell is they get, like to get in front of a prospect or one of their existing accounts and they you know they pull out their product whatever it is and they like to talk feature benefit feature benefit feature benefit well there's a big problem with that if you take something like a laser and you start talking features and benefits, um, or even mapping software, um, certain features and benefits are going to be the same among all competitors. And the points of differentiation could be very compelling and powerful, but if they're diluted by all those common features and benefits, then it makes it very difficult for the, the prospect to be able to really see where the differentiation is. They might say, well, yeah, that, that one thing is pretty cool, but everything else is the same. So, you know, I'm just going to stay with what I have. If you contrast that to the way most salespeople don't sell, which with the people I have worked with and the sales teams I've worked with, this has been a game changer. If you focus on truly first identifying a real-time relevant issue, and this has been pretty easy during COVID because it's, it's easy in whatever industry you're in to get a feel for what these issues are. You know, if, if you work in healthcare, you know, for example, how a plastic surgeon has been impacted by this crisis. You know, just, uh, you know, for example, initially their practice was locked down. So they weren't seeing patients, they weren't generating any revenue. So I'm just making this up, but if you could find a way for them to quickly recapture revenue, 
or save money to offset the revenue they lost, now you have something relevant worth talking about. How can you connect this to your product and focus on that? And especially if you compare and contrast it to your competition, now you've got their attention. And you might not have differentiated your product this, at this point, but what you've done is you've differentiated, differentiated yourself. And when you do that, you're going to command a different level of attention and consideration and ultimately credibility, which goes a long way towards having your product get the type of consideration that leads to moving the, the buying process forward. So I, th I think the big thing is really to pay attention to the individual nature of your, your prospects' pain, their needs, and, uh, and their mandates moving forward. Absolutely. Um, you, you've talked a bit about one of the biggest mistakes salespeople make is the, that assumption of, of relevance. I'd like to dive a little deeper there because I think it's so important. If, if, if you're selling to a qualified prospect, why is it not fair to always assume that you're highly relevant and, and how can you make yourself more relevant in, in the moment as you've been describing? Sure. Um, you're relevant at a surface level. And this, this is really a, um, um, there's an epidemic of this kind of selling in healthcare. Don't like to use the term epidemic as we're emerging from a pandemic, but uh, it's really what it is. Um, most, you know, again, salespeople, they assume relevance from the standpoint that, you know, let's say I sell a product that's used in orthopedic surgery. Um, I can assume, therefore, that every orthopedic surgeon will have a need for this product. And is that true? You know, I, if you look at it this way, let's, let's take a, a very specific example. Um, right now, what's big in orthopedics has been for many years is synthetic bone graft material. Instead of having to harvest bone from a patient, if they, need, if they have a fracture and they have to put in bone graft, there's a lot of synthetic bone grafts available. So a sales rep who's selling a synthetic bone graft, he or she could say, well, synthetic bone graft, all orthopedic surgeons use synthetic bone graft. Well, let's break that down a little bit. Let's say that you call on one orthopedic surgeon who does a lot of orthopedic trauma. You know, this is someone who lives in the emergency room, takes, uh, takes patients to the operating room who've had traumatic fractures and uses bone graft, both natural and synthetic. Well, here's the thing. If they're using a lot of bone graft, they have probably gone through a huge learning curve to become comfortable with whatever, with whatever bone graft they're currently using. So you might say, my product is automatically relevant, but is it? Let me break it down a little bit more. Let's say that the particular surgeon you're calling on uh, came from training where he or she believes that um, a particular type of bone graft uh, that they like uh, comes from using, um, let's say, coral. They've had um, uh, coral, which grows in the ocean. Uh, some companies make a synthetic bone graft. It's, it's called hydroxyapatite out of coral. So let's say the surgeons have had a lot of experience with that, and they believe that this provides better clinical outcomes than anything else they've had experience with. So you come along with a product, and you start talking about your product, but in the doctor's mind, he or she is thinking, well, that, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of interesting, and the clinical data looks good, but... I really believe in a coral product and I've had such great results with a coral product, I'm not ready to shift yet. So the question is, you know, is your product relevant to that particular surgeon? 
And the answer is not really. On a, you know, on a, a general scale, on a big scale, you could argue that it is, but on a micro level, which is where people take action, it's not. So it would make more sense if you sell something like bone graft. And again, I apologize to all of your listeners who aren't in healthcare. I hope this isn't weirding anybody out. But if you're <laughs> going to sell bone graft to, to a doctor, you know, it would make more sense to find out, you know, what does he value about bone graft? You know, what, is it, what matters to him or her? Uh, why do they use the one that they're using right now? What's been the differentiator? And why haven't they chosen any of the other ones in the market? So, you know, you're probably thinking, Steve, because you're a sales professional, it's about asking the right questions. And absolutely, it's uh, asking questions, um, sharing information. It's about creating a conversation. Uh, the big mistake that salespeople make is they're so anxious to talk about their products. And, you know, Steve, you and I are salespeople. We come from this world. And yeah, that's, we, we live to talk about our product. I'm sure given the opportunity to talk about Badger Maps, you're excited about it because you know the difference it can make for a salesperson or a sales team. I mean, it, it can make them so much more efficient. It could redefine how they work that territory and, and just you know, catapult their profitability like never before. So you're excited to talk about that. But it might be relevant to find out really, you know, what, you know, from the standpoint of working a territory or, or selling whatever it is. You know, what's really important to you? Where have you been struggling? You know, what are your thoughts about this? You know, some, some doctors are doing this. You know, some salespeople are out there, they're managing their time by doing this. What are your thoughts about that? In other words, is this working for you? You know, be willing to have the conversation first about the prospect before talking about your product. Because when you do this, this, this is the beauty of selling with, with real-time relevance-based selling. If you talk about the issues first, if you talk about the needs first, the prospect will tell you exactly how you must position your product in order for them to buy it. They'll tell you what it's gonna take for, you, for them to buy it. Now, that doesn't mean you'll always be able to do that because we don't, we don't wanna make stuff up. You know, MSU, a lot of salespeople sell with MSU and the S doesn't always stand for stuff if you know what I'm talking about. But we, we want to be able to, to know exactly what the customer wants. And if we could give it to them by talking about it in those terms, they can't ignore it. And not only will you make a sale, but you've just been elevated in the eyes of that prospect beyond the vast majority of salespeople they've ever encountered in their lives. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying makes a ton of sense to me. You know, you need to discover that pain and know your customer well to get action out of them. And you can't assume relevance necessarily. And uh, uh, so many salespeople have jumped on the, the virtual selling bandwagon during the pandemic, right? Like, uh, yeah. how do you think that is going to impact sale, selling long term? What are the trends that you see developing over time? It, it's very interesting you asked that, that question. Um, last year, um, most of us worked virtually. I did all of my, my workshops and keynote presentations I did, did virtually. Wasn't doing anything live. Uh, to this date, I still haven't done anything live, although I have some things coming up on the calendar now, which is, you know, uh, which I'm, you know, I have some concerns about moving forward. But um, the big thing with, with virtual is we tend to look at it, uh, salespeople tend to look at it, that it was a lesser way of selling and a way of 
dealing with the inability to get face-to-face -face with, with customers. So a lot of salespeople are looking at virtual selling like it's over. I'm not using it anymore. I'm done. And again, if you have a level of expertise with virtual selling, if you've been able to elevate your skills with this, it is a tool that will serve you for the rest of your sales career. And here's why. Again, I'm, I'm going to default to healthcare for, uh, for an example. But one of the things we've seen in healthcare is that uh, healthcare professionals who have been forced to, you know, when they wanted to talk to a salesperson to do it via virtual selling using a platform such as Zoom or any of the other uh, platforms that are available, uh, including um, um, FaceTime, which is on an iPhone or, or even uh, the uh, Facebook uh, virtual conferencing app, um, whatever it is, um, one of the things that they've discovered, the prospects, is they kind of like it because they are in control. If you don't like the way a sales call is going, you don't have to throw anybody out of your office. You don't, you're not in that uncomfortable position of saying, hey, you got to go. All you got to do is look for the right button and click, and they're gone. And a lot of, a lot of prospects, especially in healthcare, they love this. They love being able to control it this way. Um, plus, when there's an urgent need, which happens frequently in healthcare, you need to talk to a salesperson. You need for a salesperson to explain something to you, how a particular product or service will address a problem, or maybe if they already have the product to troubleshoot it. Being able to jump on a virtual call with them is magical. Um, Steve, you're in the business of making salespeople efficient who have to travel through their territories, You know, sometimes by car, sometimes by plane, um, however it is. Um, one of the biggest issues for salespeople is and has always been follow-up. You know, people might have a great uh, initial sales conversation, but then when they get into the follow-up stages, it's like, oh, wow, you know, I'd love to follow up with this prospect. The call, the initial call went so good, but uh, I'm in San Diego and they're in San Francisco. I'm, I'm not going to get up there for another three, four or five weeks. Well, guess what? You don't have to wait four or five weeks. You could lay some groundwork using a virtual call. Now, is virtual selling going to replace face-to-face -face selling? No, but it's also not going to go away either. Well-prepared and trained salespeople today are fully prepared to execute what I refer to as a blended sales call. They're able to use virtual selling when it's necessary or advantageous, and they're able to easily transition to a live face-to-face -face call, being able to combine both for maximum access to the prospect, but also maximum impact and service to the, to the customer. So um, yeah, I mean, I believe this is here to stay, although right now there are a lot of salespeople and they, they say this on social media, they say, um, I'm not making another virtual call ever. And, you know, as someone, I've, I've trained uh, medical salespeople to make virtual calls over the last year and a half, uh, the medical reps who've had success with this, and a lot of them have had huge success, they're saying, you're not making another virtual call? Good, good. Because I've got two ways of calling on customers. You only have one. And, and virtual by itself, you know, virtual is just a tool. You know, um, virtual, you know, getting on a camera, um, is not going to make sales for you. If anything, if you don't know what you're doing, it'll lose sales for you. But when you have the right sales skills and you know how to combine, again, real-time relevance-based selling 
again, because it makes it urgent. If you're talking about something that's real-time relevant, your prospect does not care how you're talking to them. If they have a problem, a pain that they want to solve now, help me solve it now. And it's easier to do that if you embrace virtual along with face-to-face. And don't get me wrong, I still believe face-to-face is the most powerful way to sell, bar none. But you're not always going to be able to do that. You have another tool now. Use it. Learn it. Embrace it. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think virtual selling is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a powerful tool to have in the in the back pocket. There, there are some some challenges right now that salespeople are facing try being pushed aside by, by virtual almost like, you know, you, you talked about the ease of just getting out of getting out of the situations for the customer and press, you know, being like, Hey, I gotta go click hanging up. And, and it, it does keep things at more of a, at more of a distance. And I think it, if anything, it just, um, it, it means you have to be more relevant and faster and, and, and be more on your game than ever before, I think. And, and salespeople, salespeople have had a ton of downtime, right? During the pandemic, this is, it has, things have had a, for, for many salespeople, there has been this shift. What do you think they should, uh, as things ramp back up, which people will be paying attention to um, as, they, as they are able to have more customer and prospect contact and people start buying again and things ramp up? Yeah, I think there's two things they should be paying attention to. Um, the first thing, and this is in no particular order because one is not more important than the other. The first thing they should pay attention to themselves. Do they really have the skill set and the knowledge moving forward to be able to dominate in whatever industry that they are in? Um, you know, again, whether you're in healthcare or technology or anything, how has COVID, for example, how has it impacted the industry that you sell to? Have you really been diving into all of the articles and the information that's online to fully understand uh, your customer at a deeper level and also how you are prepared to understand to uh, to help your customers uh, at the level they need so the f- number one was you know develop your skills and your knowledge um, and this is especially important because right now prospects who've been forgiving of salespeople who maybe weren't as knowledgeable in the past, who were able to say, well, you know, excuse me, Mr. Customer, I don't have the answer to that question, but I'll get it for you. Whereas they were very forgiving before. Uh, We're finding that a lot of prospects are a lot less patient. When they want a solution, they want it now. So if you can't answer their question or address their issue now, they're going to move to the next salesperson coming in the door, or they'll just to default to, you know, whatever they've they've always done the status quo. So your, your knowledge, you know, always be learning, use Google alerts. I, I don't understand why everybody in the world isn't using Google alerts, whatever industry you sell in, you should have Google alerts set up for the specific type of products, you know, really micro niche it down so that every week you are getting up to date notifications about what's trending in your industry. So scale up your knowledge, always be learning. The other thing, number two, is you have to understand your customer at a much deeper level. That's what we've been talking about during this whole conversation, you and I. So um, a lot of salespeople, they they don't take the time to do this. Uh, You said uh, a little while ago, right at the beginning, Steve, that um, you could go online and information is readily available. So why aren't salespeople using it? You know, for example, 
uh, again, in healthcare, if you're calling on a, a doctor or medical practice, a physical therapy practice, a hospital, they all have websites. At the minimum, take a look at their website. And what should you be looking for? Really, the one thing I tell people to look for is this. Look at what a person or a business is saying about themselves or itself. You know, if it's a hospital, what is this hospital saying about itself? What is its mission statement? Uh, how does it want to be perceived by the community? You know, what is its, its goal to achieve what? Because once you know this about your prospect, they can't deny it. You know, and, it, and it's also a great conversation starter, you know, to sit down with someone and say, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, I was looking at your website and I noticed that in your particular industry, you choose to be a leader by addressing people's needs at the deepest level. Um, let me ask you about this. Let's take a deep level of your industry and, and dive into that. So it's a great conversation starter. But the two things I would say that salespeople need to be paying attention to right now is number one, themselves. And by that, I mean their own skills and knowledge. And number two, their customers by understanding them at a deeper level than ever before. And this means you got to do some work. You got to do some research. You, you know, uh, you should never get in front of a customer without knowing everything there is to know about them. Now, it might not be very much, but at least take a look on their website, Google their name. Uh, look on social media. Almost everybody in business will have some type of social media presence, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram or even Facebook. See what they're saying about themselves. See what they gravitate to. And uh, you'll, you'll be in such a, a better position than your competition who is not doing this, probably. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of makes me think about the Automation in general. So, so many, this, this is something I keep hearing come up. The, the sales is becoming automated, you know, machine learning, AI, people are, can just go online and, and learn things. And, and you specialize in healthcare, obviously. Do you see medical salespeople being replaced by technology and, and, and in the future? What do you think about that? I, there's a big concern about that. In fact, some people are choosing not to go into medical sales or getting out of medical sales because they think they will be replaced. Um, I would tell them not to be concerned about that. Now, will AI and machine learning be used more for, for marketing purposes? In other words, to be able to better identify ideal prospects, you know, better targeting? Of course it will be. But ultimately, in any busy industry or vertical, it takes someone to create that pattern interrupt. And, um, you know, for example, in the pharmaceutical world, they've been using e-tailing as opposed to detailing for probably a decade or more. Has it been effective? It depends on who you talk to. Um, some doctors will say they like e-tailing because pharmaceutical companies who e-tail their products don't send pharmaceutical reps into the doctor's office. And you'll find, generally speaking, the doctors, and this is also true in other industries, if they can avoid having salespeople come into their office, they like it. In fact, uh, right now, after this last year and a half, one thing that I've, from talking to a lot of the physician friends of mine, they've loved not having, you know, 10, 20, 30 salespeople walk into their office every day. It, it's given them a break. It's allowed them to be more productive. So, but if you talk to 
the e-tailing companies, you know, those who are being honest, they're not seeing the same results from e-tailing that they see when they have a live person walking into a physician's practice. Because you know, if we leave it up to the prospect to, to choose when they wanna buy or to make a switch in the product they're using, uh, that's very unpredictable. Oftentimes it won't happen. Certainly in a time like now, where healthcare is dealing with crisis, uh, businesses are dealing with crisis, the status quo is held onto a lot longer. People will just cling to what they're doing so they could focus their attention on more important things. But if a salesperson comes in who is not product focused, but who's focused on the prospect and helping that person to have a better business, a stronger business, or to avoid some sort of challenge that they're either aware of or unaware of, um, now uh, they're going to be appreciated and they're going to get attention where something like machine learning uh, and AI won't do. AI and machine learning are awesome tools, but ultimately I think for you know well into the end of my lifetime, it's going to take good competent salespeople who know how to take the data which is created by these tools and apply it to again create that personal conversation and develop the relationship steve that you were talking about earlier yeah i i completely agree i don't see this as being a uh, a threat to the world of sales in the in the near term um you know, I, but but I think people will get more and more answers and, and get through the early parts of the sales cycle, you know, the research, the learning, the basics, you know, figuring things out um, faster and faster. The it, so far, I've, I've, I've found there's just there's so much so much BS being created out there that, uh, you know, so much more content that's not true and so many, you know, false positionings, I guess I would call them, that it's almost making it harder to get good information. Um, you know, to, to really make decisions and figure things out than it used to be. Whereas if you have a salesperson to actually watch, walk you through it and help you figure out what the different nuances are, um, it can really be effective. Yeah, I agree. How do you think the pandemic has changed the way sales managers should manage their sales team? Any, any changes there? Yeah. I mean, it goes to everything else that we've been, we've been talking about today. Um, a lot of sales managers, you know, prior to the pandemic, they were very numbers focused. And uh, some of the more astute sales managers have gotten more into coaching over the years, and they've learned to understand uh, the salespeople that they supervise a little bit better. But right now, I really think, uh, and I really think they have to really take a look at what their salespeople are doing to maximize outcomes. And this might sound like micromanaging, but I don't mean that at all. Um, we've been talking about relevance and the importance of relevance in, in the sales effort today. It, it's so critically important. And one thing we've seen with uh, salespeople is that, um, you know, if they're not monitored, they'll, they, they'll pretty much operate in a helter-skelter way. And uh, even, you know, now in this day of uh, using CRMs, which so, so many companies uh, employ or, or they mandate the use, uh, you know, salespeople will just fill in, fill in the blank, just to, to make it look like they're working. It's no longer a question whether a salesperson is working or not. It's really more of a question of how are they working and specifically, how are they engaging the customer? Are they engaging the customer in a relevant way where the company's product can be distinguished from a sea of sameness? Or are they 
operating in a way that creates that commoditization that we talked about earlier. And uh, you know, managers are really, um, it's, it's going to be up to them to more or less um, provide the feedback to their sales teams, whether or not the salespeople are heading in the right direction. And again, it's not micromanaging because if you sell the way I'm talking about using you know, real-time relevance, um, every conversation is going to be different. So it's not about having a canned sales pitch or you know, go see this prospect and, and talk about this. It's, it's not that at all. It's about making sure that the salesperson understands what it's going to take to move forward today and making sure that they have the skills to have these essential conversations that are desperately needed. So that's, that's the sales manager's job. It's, it's real, whether they like it or not, it's, they're really being forced, I think, into a position more as a coach than just as someone to, who is going to uh, macromanage or micromanage uh, the people they supervise. And, and what about salespeople? How, as they re-engage with their accounts in person, as their customers uh, reopen their businesses, what should they be especially paying attention to? Um, they should especially be paying attention to, um, again, the, the challenges that those particular people will have. And this is, again, where you can't assume relevance. If you take a business, um, different people in the business, you know, different positions will have different challenges. The CEO is going to have a different challenge than the you know, if they have a materials manager or the person in HR, you really have to understand what each person's challenge is. And we, we can't assume, you know, again, uh, the thing that COVID has taught me and taught a lot of people, and, and I mean, I've known this all along, but um, with crisis comes opportunity. But you, you can't assume that opportunity is going to exist the same in every situation. It, it's very, very different depending on who you're talking to. So, um, you know, again, um, as we come out of this and as salespeople really start to engage their accounts again, I think the big focus needs to be on the people in the account, on the business, and not so much on the, pro on the product or service that you sell. You know, again, it gets back to what we said earlier. That's a big mistake that salespeople have always made. But if you make that mistake today, then you're, you're kind of going to be the, uh, the unwelcome visitor uh, as opposed to someone who's stopping by to you know, solve a problem or, or at least um, inform them of, of something that can either harm them or an opportunity they might miss. So it's, it's really about focusing as you re-engage your accounts, make it about them. If you do that, the opportunities for you to introduce your, your product or service, they'll happen. And they'll happen in a very organic way. Um, more so in a way where your, your customer, your prospect is going to say, um, can you help me with that? Is, is there a way to, to get around this? Is there a way to solve this? And as a salesperson, we all know that when that happens, you are in a very, very different place than when you're just talking, 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 trying to get someone to go, yeah, that looks pretty good, let's buy that. It's just, it's not happening that way anymore. So focus, focus on the business, focus on the people in the business and focus on your product last. Don't ignore it, but focus on the, the business and the prospect first.
The next section is sales in 60 seconds. So quick questions, quick answers. Um, if you had to name one critical skill or trait that a salesperson needs today, which would it be and why would that be it? I think what the most critical um, skills today would be going for the no. Um, a lot of prospects will love to give out maybes to salespeople. And uh, even worse than the prospects giving out maybes is salespeople love them because they go, oh, I didn't get a no, I got a maybe. So it means the sale is still alive. And I think maybes wear you down. Maybes lead you to believe there might be a sale when more than likely, more often than not, there's not going to be a sale. So when you get a maybe, have the courage and the skills to be able to go for the no. Um, and if you don't get the no, if you go for the no and they won't give it to you, then you know the sale is still alive. But if, if you go for the no and they go, yeah, you know, I'm really not going to buy this, then you're able to move on. And that is a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Uh, qualification throughout the entire sales process, getting yeah. to getting the getting the no. It's so important. Yeah. It saves you so much time in the long run and keeps you from yeah. spinning your wheels in sales. In your opinion, what's the most challenging part of selling today? The most challenging part of selling. Um, for a lot of people, they will say access. You know, again, working in healthcare with medical practices and hospitals being closed to salespeople, access has been a very, very big issue, probably the, the biggest issue. Um, but at the same time, if you're able to approach with something relevant, access is no problem at all. Uh, if anything, being able to communicate that relevant message might be a bit of a challenge, um, you know, because we all know when you try to place a phone call, they have caller ID, salesperson calling, I'm not taking that. Or you leave a voicemail, salesperson calling, I'm not taking that. Or you send an email, that's from a salesperson, I'm not taking that. So uh, communicating the, the relevant topic that you want to talk about could be challenging. But again, it comes back to the skills. You know, if you could put that in the subject line to get their attention, then they're going to read a little bit more. Or you put it in the subject line of your voicemail right up front instead of, hey, Joe, how are you? Long time, I haven't heard from you. You know, talk about the relevant issue up front. Now you can connect. But I think communication and access has been one of the biggest challenges. And what would you say the greatest sales lesson that you've learned over the years is? Oh, the biggest, the biggest sales lesson over the year. There's, there's been so many. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the biggest sales lesson I've learned over the years, um, this is the one that stands out to me, is uh, it's going to sound pretty minor and trite. But um, when I was ending my sales career to go into speaking and training full time, I went around to all of the customers that I called on over the years, and these were primarily uh, surgeons and uh, operating rooms. And a lot of them would say to me, and um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, kind of uh, tooting my horn a little bit, but they say, you know, Mesa, I'm really sorry to see you go. Um, you were uh, one of the best sales reps um, I've ever worked with. And I would always ask the question, I said, really? Because uh, I never considered myself, you know, a, a great, a great seller, you know, I, you know, I, I had average skills. Uh, they've gotten a lot better since I've been teaching them for the last 16 years. But, uh, but I, but I say, what was it that made me, you know, uh, a good sales rep for you? And this was the answer. And it blew me away because it was a consistent answer. They pretty much all said the same thing. They said, you always did what you said you were going to do. And I said, doesn't every salesperson do that? 
And it was like, <laughs> I mean, it was the complete opposite. In other words, most salespeople promise or they make agreements that they never follow up on. And anytime I ever told a customer I was going to do something, I, I treated it like an appointment. I would write it down in my day timer back in the days when we did that, or you know, now in the days since uh, you know we've been using these things, um, I, I put it in the calendar and I set an alarm so I don't forget. Um, and that's how you always do what you say you're going to do. And you know we're always looking for an edge, uh, some sort of differentiator with what we do. And it's, it's natural to assume that it has to be in the product. If our, if our product has this one feature that no competitive product has, we're gonna get the business. And I've learned that's not necessarily true. Um, oftentimes the differentiator is the salesperson. And you were talking about that earlier, Steve, with, with relationships. What is it that creates those relationships? It's, I've learned, it's something like doing what you say you're going to do every time. Such valuable advice, truly. Uh, what, what should all salespeople do every day to become more successful? Um, have more sales conversations. Um, plain, pure, and simple. Um, you know, uh, salespeople will usually default to the task that feels the easiest or the most comfortable. But the bottom line is this there is nothing that moves the needle in a sales process more than having the right sales conversation with the right stakeholder at the right time. So if you are having sales conversations in your accounts every day, good things are going to happen. So as an actionable takeaway, what would you say that the field salespeople listening today should do as a first step to get started on revitalizing their sales and getting things up to that next level post-pandemic? I'd say the first thing to do is to understand that the world has changed. And again, this can become your competitive advantage if you allow it to, because most salespeople that I've, I've talked to and what I've witnessed on social media, they're all singing the praises of, hey, you know, businesses are open again, um, medical practices are open again, I'm, I'm getting face-to-face -face appointments again. And the mindset is, I'm going to go back to doing things the way I used to do them. Now, I don't want to take that completely away because sure, there, there are unquestionably things you may have done in the past that worked well for you in the past and they will work well for you now. But it's important to understand that the world has changed for your customers. Again, even if, whether the customer recognizes this or not. And as we move forward, be prepared for the things that didn't exist in the past. Uh, we talked about that with virtual selling. Um, virtual selling was something that people did only when they had to. If you were a, a US-based salesperson, and you have clients all over the globe, you, you've probably been doing a lot of virtual selling um, throughout your career. But right now, there is an expectation for virtual selling. And it doesn't mean that your, your prospects are going to ask for it. Uh, sometimes you have to offer it or even recommend it or even create a level of urgency so that they want to get on a virtual call with you now because time matters, time urgency matters. So, I, I believe the thing is, is to be prepared 
as a salesperson, the, the, moving forward, what you want to be prepared for is to understand how the world has changed and maybe how your role has changed. Um, because as a salesperson, you're not just there to, to deliver a product or a service, but you're really there to, to help your, your accounts, to help the people in your accounts, to, to know more, to understand better. Um, you know, a simple thing, um, just to add on to, to this, is salespeople have a unique perspective, and they often forget that. Um, you know, whereas in any company, they have a very limited perspective on how they do things. You know, if you go into a company, however they run the processes, the workflow in that company, that's usually all they know, you know, except for you know, new people that they hire or whatever they remember from wherever they worked at before. But salespeople go into hundreds or even thousands of companies or have contact with hundreds or thousands of companies. And you have the ability to really bring best case scenarios you know, best practices to your accounts, that's incredibly valuable. So one of the things I'd say moving forward is start asking yourself, what can you bring to your accounts that none of your competitors are doing? What type of knowledge, information, wisdom can you share with them that the competition isn't because the competition is more focused on pitching a product? You will always have the opportunity to discuss your product if you first identify or create the need. And, you know, again, you have a perspective that your accounts don't from having access to so many different businesses, so many different professionals or, or stakeholders. I'll leverage that because it is incredibly powerful. And uh, when, you're, when you're able to teach your accounts these types of things, you know, what others are doing to overcome a problem or to succeed or to create um, more profitable margins, they're going to listen to you and they're going to look at you differently. You have a great opportunity moving forward. Don't waste it. Great advice. Well, I'm going to attempt to summarize everything you've taught us about today here, Mace. Uh, so first of all, prospects want salespeople to be very specific about how the product they're selling will help the customer right now. Right. You need to really know your customer on a micro level. You need to understand the, your customer not, you, based on their vertical and also on a personal level. You gotta understand their business deeply. It's really important to prevent your prospects from commoditizing your product. And how do you do that? You should try real-time relevant selling, which Mace discussed, to avoid this type of commoditization. Find out what's happening in your prospects world right now that you can connect your product or solution to. What, what is important to your customer? What is important to the buyer? Connect your solution to that. You want to customize your approach with each and every prospect so that you can highlight what makes you in your product different from the product of your competitors. Don't assume relevance. Instead, work to understand what matters to your prospect on a personal level. Ask the right questions and have a conversation about your prospect before you share information about your product. Well-prepared salespeople today can utilize virtual selling and transition to a live face-to-face -face call to have maximum impact with a customer. Develop your skills and your knowledge 
and really dive into how your industry and how your customer's industry has changed over the course of COVID. You can use Google Alerts to get up-to-date notifications on what exactly is going on in your industry on a day-to-day -day basis or in their industry on a day-to-day -day basis as well. So how do you work to understand your prospect on a personal level, which is one of these one of the main points that Mace was giving us. You want to check out their website. You want to check out their social media. You want to see what the person or the business is discussing about itself. Sales managers should provide feedback to their sales teams about whether or not they're providing real-time relevance to prospects and, to, and, and they want to coach their team on how they can improve in these areas. All such valuable advice, Mace. Where can our listeners read more about the, your work? How can they learn more from you? How do they reach out to you? Well, as you said, Steve, I am primarily in the healthcare space, so you can find out about me at medicalsalestraining.com. That is my website, but they can also connect with me on LinkedIn slash Mace Haroff. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If you work in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps, the number one route planner that helps you sell 20% more while you drive 20% less. You can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. If you can think of any other sales reps that would benefit from learning Mace's skills and the things he taught us, share the love and forward this on to them. Mace, thanks so much for being on the show to get today. We really appreciate, appreciate all the knowledge and, and everything you taught us today. This has really been fantastic. Thanks, Steve. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for asking great questions. Take care until next time, everybody. Okay, bye-bye.